This is episode number 18 with Sophia Cutterback. Welcome to The Marriage Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Price, international marriage interventionist and best-selling co-author of Success Breakthroughs. On this show, I provide innovative solutions for marital success by focusing on personal development and relationship transformation. Every week, I'll be talking with thought leaders from around the world and will be providing your weekly dose of wisdom so you can catapult yourselves to marital success and true life fulfillment. I ask you to love one another, encourage and support each other, and live with passion. Are you ready? Here we go. I am super excited to have this guest on the show today. She's one of my dear friends. She is a very virtuous and godly woman that I admire greatly. Sofia Federica Kadabak is one of 10 siblings that grew up in a Ukrainian-American home. After completing high school homeschooling, Sofia traveled to Matsumoto, Japan to study violin under the one and only Dr. Shinichi Suzuki of the Suzuki Method. Since then, she has commenced an uninterrupted career teaching violin to young children, all while marrying her husband, John, giving birth to and raising six children, homeschooling her children, teaching children's choirs, and serving as director of music ministry at her church parish. When this woman sleeps, I have no clue. Sophia is joining me today to talk about celebrating holidays with joy after the loss of a loved one. Sophia's mother, Irene, passed away exactly eight years ago today, after a very long and traumatic battle with breast cancer. The loss of a loved one is never easy, but to experience such loss on a special holiday like Christmas Eve could easily make future Christmases especially difficult. But Sophia and her family have found a way to experience joy on Christmas. She's here to tell us how her family has coped with the loss of their mother, how they continue to experience joy on Christmas, and to bring hope and healing to those of you who are currently suffering so that you too can learn how to love the holidays again. Without further ado, let's bring on this beautiful soul, Sophia. Welcome to The Marriage Show. Jennifer, thank you so much. You're so good to have me on the call. And I'm just so grateful for the good work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Hmm, Thank you. I know it's difficult for many people to celebrate a holiday and experience joy on that holiday after the loss of a loved one. For many people, it's just simply too painful. People say that time heals all wounds and that in time you can learn how to move on. But I don't think it's really a matter of moving on as much as it is learning how to live life in a different way, in a way without the person that you miss so much. The void that's left in our hearts can make holidays really difficult, but you and your family continue to celebrate Christmas, and I know you do so with much excitement and traditions and joy. So please tell us how you are capable of celebrating Christmas since your mother's death on Christmas Eve. And also tell us if your mother's death on Christmas Eve has changed the way that your family celebrates Christmas. Yes. Well, first of all, eight years ago when my mother died on Christmas Eve, 
it was an incredibly difficult Christmas to celebrate. So I think that time does work an amazing miracle in us if we can really approach our sorrow in a kind of a real and effective way. So for our family, eight years ago, it was really, really difficult to celebrate Christmas. And seven years ago was maybe the hardest, the first year after my mom died, especially because my mom loved Christmas. Her spirit was so amazing and full of gratitude and joy at everything in life that she encountered. And she would manifest that to us, her children, by celebrating every little thing in a way that was special, even if it was something as small as bringing me flowers for my seventh birthday, which she had picked from a lilac bush on her way home from choir, directing her choir. So little things like that just was her affirmation that life is good and you are precious. And what could be better than celebrating this amazing existence that we have together in joy? And so she loved to do that at Christmas more than anything else. So for our family, the first Christmas after my mom died, the year my mom died, it was just kind of a numbing whirlwind. The first Christmas after my mom passed away was really the big trial. And it was really, really difficult for us. And I think many of us, I have nine brothers and sisters, it was tempting to just kind of spiral downward into a darkness of pain. But I think for all of us, we took that message that my mom gave us that life is good, that God has a plan, and that when we say yes joyfully and with gratitude, we participate in that great plan. And so we chose to enter into that first Christmas celebration. We kind of made a choice and a decision that by celebrating Christmas with joy is a way of remembering not only the times that we had with my mom, but remembering who she is and continues to be and who she's been for our life. So we made a decision to celebrate Christmas joyfully in the ways that she taught us by a way of kind of affirming who she is and the goodness of who she is and what she gave us that will never be taken away from us. So every year, Christmas has a new flavor to us because it also includes that day that my mother was born in heaven, just like Jesus was born on earth. And we miss her terribly. But over the years, we've been able to grow closer to her because of a choice to celebrate with joy and remembrance. And on a very practical level, the way that takes shape for us on Christmas Eve, because of the many, many traditions that we celebrate on Christmas Eve, it's a very busy day from a practical perspective. You get up in the morning and there's a ton to do before you sit down to the Christmas Eve table. And what really changed for us is that no matter where we all are, we all commit to going to Mass that morning to pray for the repose of my mother's soul and to also give God thanks for the gift that was her life. And it's this really beautiful pause in the busyness of the season. It has been an incredible gift to us because we pause and we reflect and we're with her and we're with one another. We've been blessed in the past several years. Many of us have been able to actually bodily be together in the church. But even if we're not bodily together, we know that we're all together celebrating at Mass wherever we are thanking God for the gift of her life. Hmm, what a beautiful way to honor her as well. I know you told me in a conversation the other day about this beautiful experience. I, I can't remember if you said Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, where you were driving past the family cemetery on your way to Mass and you all experienced something really beautiful. Would you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. It was actually an incredible gift. The first Christmas that we were celebrating without my mom, 
my parents lived in Michigan at the time that my mom passed away. And we were kind of in a quandary where to bury her because none of the other children lived in Michigan. And it became possible for us to bury her in a little family cemetery right down the hill from me that my husband's family had been fortunate enough to be able to set aside for family burials. So my mother was buried there just down the hill from our house. We can see it right through the front window. And many of my siblings were staying with me and my dad was with us. And we got in the car to go to 830 Mass. And it was kind of a typical December day in Virginia, cold, gray, slightly overcast with kind of a steely sky. And we were obviously feeling kind of the renewed suffering of the day that my mother died. And she had a very difficult death. And it was, it was a really, really difficult experience on many levels, apart from simply being separated from her. And as we were driving down the road to leave to go to mass, we kind of somebody turned around to look at my mother's gravestone. And at that moment, there was this tiny little parting in the clouds in the sky and this incredible bright lit ray of morning sun was streaming down through the small hole and just illuminating her tombstone. Not anywhere else. It was just like this, as though someone had just lit up a spotlight on her gravestone. And we were just all filled with so much gratitude for this tender gift of God the Father, affirming the goodness of my mother's life and affirming our prayers for her and her closeness to him in heaven. And so we continued the rest of the drive and attended Mass with a new kind of lightness and hope having had that communication. It was just an incredible gift. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I'm so, so happy that happened and that you were able to experience it. And then to be able to carry that memory of that experience in your hearts forever as well. It's so, so sweet. Absolutely. I want to talk about people who do not celebrate Christmas or other holidays Or they do, but they celebrate it in a very minimal way compared to the past because they've Mm -hmm. lost, you know, a dear family member and because it pains them too much to continue on without their loved one. My parents have a firm manager in Virginia who lost his son in a tragic accident many years ago, actually eight years ago as well. And I was speaking with him this morning, just asking him questions to kind of see from someone else's perspective, you know, what it is I could ask you that might help other people as well. And he said that for the first five or six years, it was, they didn't celebrate any holiday at all. And only in the last two or three years have they started to gradually add little things back in. Mm. He labeled it as being incredibly selfish and wrong. And I, I said, you know, no, I, I don't think it's selfish and I don't think it's wrong. I think it's the body's, the brain's way and the body's way of mm-hmm. self-preservation and, you know, protecting you from going to a place of such grief that you literally could die because, you know, that happens. Some people are so overcome with grief that they dropped out of a heart attack. It's just too much for the human body. And so the brain does all different kinds of things to you know, to lessen our pain so that we can handle it. And so I don't think it's wrong or selfish to not celebrate. I think it's, you know, it's very normal and it's coming from a place of pain for many people. He said they're just now starting to do little things to celebrate and he sees, he does foresee that continuing to increase. But I know there's so many people out there who either don't celebrate or they do so minimally because of the pain. So 
what what can you say to these people? How can they begin to celebrate Christmas and other holidays again and to experience joy doing so? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, my heart goes out to those people who are in the midst of that really early suffering of bereavement. It is so intense and it is so real. And I just, my heart just opens up to those people and it's a very real experience. One of the things that helped us be able to heal is not, it's not about putting the separation from a loved one behind you. It's about embracing the continued life of your loved one for you in the present, in the present moment. And I think actually celebrating holidays like Christmas or birthdays or Easter is a way that helps us be able to really make present to us our loved one who is no longer bodily with us in a really real way. Because I think repeated traditions are a way of our reaching forward for that thing that we're made for. We're made for eternity. We're made to never say goodbye. We're made to have continual celebration with those we love. That's what we're made for. And we all yearn for it, whether we know it or not. And the beautiful thing of celebrating repeated traditions is kind of a little human way in this totally transient existence that we have of making something permanent. And so when we're strong enough to be able to start rejoicing and celebrating again in the repeated gift of a feast or a holiday or a memory, then it's a way of actually kind of living in the eternal now, so to speak. And so it really brings our deceased loved one kind of into our life in a way that's really real and really new so that we're not reduced to only remembering something that happened a long time ago, that's static and never changes, that we actually have the promise to look forward to a life that continues with our loved one. So celebrating traditions and doing something in a repeated way to either mark the death of our family member or friend or to mark the birth of our Lord. These are all ways of making something present in our life in a very real and active way. So for us, actually, celebrating Christmas, which was so hard to do without my mom, ended up becoming the way that we could actually learn to live with her continuously instead of just relegating her to a memory in the past. So maybe that would be something that could help people when they think about the recurring celebrations, which, yes, have painful memories, become an opportunity for an ongoing life with the person whom we're made to live with for forever. I like that. The other day you mentioned something about how these repeated traditions create stability. Can you touch on the stability part? Yeah. So again, it's this kind of notion of living in a transient world. Everything is constantly changing. And when things passed and are done and finished, they're actually like little deaths. And so we kind of are in a constant state of living little deaths, of which the final one is the one that's so traumatic and painful. And so when we celebrate something ongoing, it's a kind of a stability that stands in the face of this constant change, these constant small deaths. And so it's a reminder to us of the stability that will someday be ours for forever. That's got to bring so much comfort to people 
we've lost family members, some young and some old. For me, it's been cousins and grandparents, aunts, uncles, never a child, and thus far not a parent or a sibling. But I know that the repeated traditions that my mother has created in our family, it does bring me a a really deep and beautiful sense of comfort around the holidays. Like, yes, it's exciting. Yes, it's joyful. But it's also really nourishing to the soul as well to experience these, these different repeated traditions as well. So I can see... From my own from my own standpoint, the stability there, but I think it is a little bit different when when you're in a position like yourself or so many others who have lost a loved one, and how that can create stability in a in a completely different way. So thank you for sharing that. What would you like to say to people who are currently right now today struggling and suffering through these holidays because they've recently lost a loved one? Like I said before, the first thing I want to say is just offer my compassion and love for them. It's it's really, really difficult to be in that place of pain. Pain is so isolating. So I just want to extend myself personally to them and affirm their experience of deep pain. And I'm very sorry for that. It's very difficult to be alone in that suffering. And what I would share from my personal experience, I was thinking about this a lot this morning, and I realized that in my experiencing the suffering of being separated from my mother, there are actually a lot of components in that experience. And over time, I've begun to realize that some of the components don't actually have to do with the suffering of separation. They're all connected, but very often over the years, I've kind of experienced in my thinking about my mother and thinking about my life with her before she passed away, there are many things that I regret and that I wish I could have done differently or that our relationship could have been better if it hadn't been for this or for that. And first of all, one of the things that brings great comfort is realizing that now she knows. She knows why I wasn't able to do those things. She understands better than even I do what my wounds and limitations are. And she very mercifully forgives me for that. But I realized that part of my pain in experiencing my pain of separation from my mother is often comes from actually regret or guilt even, or kind of, I'm going to say even a soft guilt, which is not beating myself up, but saying, oh, I wish I could have. So maybe regret is really the word for that. And I think it's actually useful and helpful to kind of understand the different parts of your pain because the pain of separation is something that can't really be different. You can't really change that. It's something that you've been given. And that pain, we're almost required to open our arms and receive it because it's part of what defines our new relationship with our loved one who's passed away. It won't always feel the same, but You'll always be sad that you're not bodily with your mother or your son or your father until you are reunited. So the degree of the pain may change over time, but that's simply something that's given to us. And we almost have to kind of open the arms of our heart and receive that as difficult as it is, because it's kind of a way of receiving the person. When we open our arms to just say, this really hurts, we're actually opening our arms to the person whom we love so much. And then when we realize that there are other aspects of our pain that are things like guilt or regret, then we realize those parts of our pain we can actually address 
by, for example, having a conviction that the person that we love now is in a better place and has a better knowledge and understanding and completely forgives us. Just like we make the effort to completely forgive them for whatever their shortcomings were, we have to be willing to receive that grace from them. And so I think there are components of our suffering that can be addressed in a practical way as we kind of separate all these different emotions out that some of them are ones that we can actually understand where our heart is better and kind of through kind of a discursive process achieve a real healing and coming to understand that our loved one forgives us, that the time in the past might not have been perfect, but now we are completely free to embrace one another in love. And kind of on the shoulders of thinking about that is having a spirit of gratitude. Having a spirit of gratitude actually, I think, is what begins to ease the acuteness of the pain of suffering because it's a way of rejoicing in the gift that's been given to you in this person. You've been given this gift of this person and their lives have become intertwined with yours such that you will never be separated, even if your bodies are separated. And so when we begin to be grateful, instead of experiencing our pain in terms of resentment or fear, fear often comes with it. Like in the case of my mom, her death was so difficult that there was a lot of fear wrapped up in my grief over her passing away. But gratitude has been able to kind of separate all those things out and has given me a place where I can really reside with my mother in a joyful way that never goes away. It casts the light backwards on my memories with her. It casts the light forward in anticipation. And most of all, it creates light in which we live together now. And so I'm hoping that those who are really struggling right now, that maybe they can go into a place of gratitude for their loved one and the time they had with them and the continued gift of them. And I really think that this might become a place of comfort and consolation so you're not alone in your suffering. Yeah, you've made two points here that I'd like to touch on just a little bit more because I think they're both (laughs) profoundly wise And if people will, many people who are currently suffering will stop and concentrate on these two things above all else, I think they will experience some, some healing and, and these two points are one of gratitude. And then two, knowing that your mother is now aware of everything that you were going through. So let's start with gratitude. First of all, what is it? that you've been most grateful for that has helped you? And how do you advise people listening? What is it that they should focus on? Should they just be, you know, focusing on the gratitude of having that person, their presence and and their life and what they learned from them, the beautiful experience that they have had? What exactly did you focus your gratitude on? And what can others focus theirs on as well? Yeah, so I think it's a very natural place to start is to be grateful for particular moments or experiences or particular ways in which your loved one has blessed you specifically. But kind of thinking about all these small areas of being grateful, I think led me to what for me is the most profound experience. And frankly, I feel like it's changed me and made me a better person is a deep and abiding gratitude that God had a plan for me from the beginning of time that 
it's a plan that meant that my mother and my life would be intertwined forever. And what's become really clear to me is the incredible gift of goodness that her life was. She was totally a human being. She made lots of mistakes. There are ways that she wounded me, but the reality is she was an incredibly precious gift from God that was a gift to me. And it's a gift that continues. And so the overwhelming experience of gratitude on my part is something that spills over beyond simply my relationship with her, but an understanding that I myself am the same kind of gift. I was a gift to my mother. I am continuing to be a gift to my husband and my children and to my brothers and sisters that our God is the kind of God that chooses that we should have personal relationships that are intertwined, not just for a little time and then it's over, but forever and ever. And so ultimately, it's a gift of gratitude for a plan that is good. And it's a plan that I'm beginning to see everywhere around me, trees, flowers, water, people, all kinds of things now just kind of stand out in a way of this is part of the gift. This is part of the gift. So I don't know if I felt that that keenly before my mother passed away and I started meditating on small things that she did that I was grateful for. And it just kind of led me down a path of, I'm just so deeply and profoundly grateful that I'm part of a good and loving plan. Hmm. Let's go back to the guilt that you talked about it a second ago. Mm-hmm. You experienced a little bit of guilt or, or maybe better put regret, but now you have peace knowing that mm-hmm. your mother is fully aware of your wounds, your limitations, your vices and so forth that prevented mm-hmm. you from doing things or not doing things, having a, a particular type of relationship with her. But mm-hmm. at any rate, she's very well aware and knows things that that you probably don't even know at this point. I'm, I'm paraphrasing you here. Yes. But yes. you said this has allowed you to kind of release that regret that you had. And I think that's really Mm -hmm. important. And if you want to go into that a little bit deeper, I'd love it because I think this is something that so many people need to hear because many people do suffer guilt, shame, and regret for Mm -hmm. having said certain things or done certain things, not been able to apologize, you know, not having the opportunity now because they've lost Mm -hmm. their loved one. The loved one knows and understands now, but now it really comes down, I think, to forgiving yourself, right? And and being able to let that right. go. So can you touch on that a little bit, a little bit more on how exactly you came to understand this and what it's done for you? Yeah, so I feel like the first kind of real insight into this was just simply very much rooted in my faith that my mother is in heaven, and that what it means to be in heaven is a kind of blessedness that's detached from selfishness, self-absorbedness. It's really seeing things as they are. And kind of as I was ruminating on the things that I wish would be different, all of a sudden I realized my mom knows. She understands. Not only does she know my limitations and why I didn't respond, but she also knows her limitations at that time. And that kind of some of the conflicts between us was a two-way street. And so it was this incredible feeling of relief of she knows. And then the next step of it was being willing to receive her forgiveness. So you use the phrase, we need to forgive ourselves. And I think that's another way of saying 
we need to be willing to receive her forgiveness or your sons or your fathers or your whatever the case may be. So that was really an incredible moment of love for me that you have to kind of open up and make yourself vulnerable to let someone else say, I forgive you and I let that go. And that was a really big moment for me. And what I discovered it did for me when I live in guilt or regret, and it's interesting, I still have moments when I will kind of in thinking about the past, I kind of get taken up with regret or seized up. And I always have to recall myself and bring myself back to the present moment because the reality of the present is she understands and she has forgiven me and we are letting that go and we have a life now in the present. I realize that when I live in regret, what I'm doing is I'm kind of locking myself into the past. The very thing that I wish I hadn't done, I'm actually locking myself into that and that becomes what's present all the time. And so it's kind of the very thing that I'm wishing I didn't do by dwelling on it and hanging on to it when it's time to let go of that and forgive ourselves. It's a way of making something present that you actually don't want to be present and frankly isn't even true anymore. And so I've actually experienced forgiving myself for the things that I did wrong or wish that I could have done better is a way of letting the past be the past and fully embracing the present, which is the only thing that's really real is the present moment. So I feel like the cautionary word is regret is a way of tethering you to the very actions, relationships, or experiences that you wish you hadn't done. And we can let go of that by choosing to forgive the person who has passed away or forgive ourselves. And then on the heel of that forgiveness is gratitude. Yeah, I think if you can always come back to gratitude, if you find yourself in a moment of weakness and you are focusing on the regrets and and guilt, yeah, always come back to gratitude. I think gratitude is really the most beautiful of all emotions, really, and not just an emotion, but a a state of being, a place of being. Yeah, yeah. I've met many of your family members. I've had the honor on several occasions of seeing your brothers in different situations, and it's obvious to me they have the heart of Christ, and you and your sisters Mm -hmm. have the heart of Mary. I've had the pleasure of meeting your dad. He's a fireball. I love him. (laughs) He's um, so precious, so much personality. He's really a hoot (laughs) to talk to. (laughs) I really wish that I had had the honor and the pleasure of meeting your mother, but Mm -hmm. I actually do feel her presence often when I'm around you, and I think she's still alive and well in in all of you. That's a beautiful way to honor her as well. So towards the end of these of these interviews, I always like to ask a few fun questions. So first mm. fun question I'd like to ask is, uh, what is your favorite book? Well, that is a very difficult question. One of the things I picked up from my mom is that she never chose one thing. She chose everything. She loved life so much. And for me, picking a favorite book means rejecting something else or, or leaving something else out. So it's very hard for me to choose a favorite book. A couple of my favorite authors, I just reread all of Jane Austen's books, and she just has such a profound insight into humanity. And I've now read them many, many times, and every season of life that I read them in, I realize and glean something new. So just really love, love, love Jane Austen. And I really love Tolstoy. 
So some of his incredible insights into humanity, if you can bear it, it's, it's pretty dramatic. It's the Russian novelist, but um, really love Tolstoy too. Hmm. What is one action from human beings you would like to see more of in the world? Oh, I, it's, it just sounds really overly general, but I can't say it with more specificness. Just love, lovingness, just opening your heart with love to those around us and to everything that's given to us. Mm, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> What's your favorite memory with your mother? Well, it's hard for me to specify one particular moment, but I will tell you what was common in all the many, many moments that I have to call my favorite moments with my mother is her incredible love of life, her conviction that life was good, and her eagerness to share that with us. And I shared it with you a little bit earlier, but I'll never forget when I was turning seven or eight, my mother had choir practice that night and she had to go direct choir on my birthday. And she always without fail celebrated our birthdays, no matter what money we didn't have, no matter what was going on, we always had a birthday celebration. So she wasn't able to do it because she was gone. And she kicked me this armload of blooming lilacs for my birthday. And I had never received flowers from anyone before because I was so young. And I, I was just so deeply touched and moved by this armload of lilacs. And now I wait every year for the lilacs and hope that they'll be blooming exactly at my birthday. Mm -hmm. That's sweet. Are they your favorite mm -hmm. flower or, or probably one of your favorite flowers? Yes, they are among my favorite flowers. I absolutely love lilacs. Mm. I think many mothers and fathers too listening could learn a very potent lesson here, very powerful lesson here, and that it's so important to teach your children to love life and, and to present mm -hmm. to them and show them all the beautiful things life has to offer. I think so many of us, I'm so guilty of this, getting caught up in the busyness of today and, and what we need to focus on. And especially as a home, I was a homeschooling mom too. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in the chores and the duties and the things that you have to accomplish today and yeah. work schedules yeah. and social schedules. And and it's, it's really important to stop and at every single occasion possible, prove to your children that life is beautiful and any any way that you can any situation where you can show them the beauty of life do so because i think that's every parent's goal dream really is to be able to have their children say yes my mother or my father not only had a love of life but was eager exactly what you said earlier is eager to prove to us at every opportunity how how beautiful life really is all right, Sophia, do you have a life motto or a favorite quote? Actually, this is, I think, a very singular gift since my mother died. I have really had an incredibly profound experience of scripture. So again, it's hard for me to choose one, but I will tell you one that has really been impactful to me. And so everywhere I look, when I think of mottos or favorite quotes, they all seem to be scripture popping up around me. So I have to say, this has been a real gift to me in the last eight years, which I thank my mother for again. But I love the scripture that says, rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Such a good one. Yeah. 
I know you were, for a while, you were creating scripture cards and giving them out as gifts, and you had a little side business yeah. where you were selling them. And I'll never forget the very first day that I met you ever was at the craft fair at church. And I was a little nervous about something that I knew was coming up. And one of your girls walked up to me at that very moment when I was asking God to help calm my nerves and, <laughs> and to help me through something. And one of your girls walked up to me and said, my mama has a gift for you. And she gave me a little pack of, of these little scripture cards. And the very first one, in, in the middle of all my fear and anxiety and, and something I was worrying about, the very first card on top said, do not fear my child, for I know the plans I have for you. And I couldn't help but laugh at myself for being so silly and, and having anxiety about anything in life. <laughs> Scripture is, is, is beautiful and comforting. And, and I think God really has a way of speaking to us through His Scripture at just the right time, just the right way, just the right person. Repeat yours for us one more time, please. Let's end on that. Mm-hmm. It's rejoice always, pray constantly, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Hmm. What more can you say? Nothing. That's, the, that's exactly. perfect. Exactly. <laughs> well, Sophia, thank you so much for um, giving us the honor of talking with you today and for all the wisdom that you've provided us with. And I know many people are going to experience healing and comfort from all of your words today. So thank you so much for your time and for your hearts and for your wisdom. Oh, you are more than welcome, Jennifer. And thank you to all your listeners for for being there and opening their hearts. So I will pray for you all. Mm, Thank you. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, Jennifer. God bless you. What a beautiful woman, that Sophia. I just love her. I love her insight. Listen, everyone, I know that the holidays can be very difficult for some people. And if this is you, if you are depressed, especially if you are suicidal, please reach out to me so that I can help you. I'm happy to get on the phone with anyone in need. And I ask everyone out there listening to be very mindful of all your family and friends. Uh, The holidays can be especially depressing. So look around at your family and friends. If you know someone who's in need, please shower them with a little extra love and, and time and attention and do what you can to bring a little joy into their lives so they're not as lonely or not as sad. I wish all of you a tremendous amount of joy as we celebrate the miracle of Christmas. God bless everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Marriage Show. I appreciate the time you took to be with me today. If you love this show as much as I love making it, please subscribe, rate, and leave me a five-star review. That will allow us to inspire more people together. And if there's someone in your life that would benefit from any of the subjects we discuss here on the show, please share it with them. Text it to them, screenshot it, or email the link. Let's change lives together. Let's spread the love. Oh, and please find me on social media and tell me what subject you would like me to discuss here on the show. So head over to Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. I really would love your suggestion. And if you want to check the show notes from today's episode, you can find them at www.themarriageshow.com. And you can also listen to all of my other episodes there as well. Until next time, love one another. (laughs) 